Greetings, and thank you for checking out this message from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. Now here is the message from Pastor Ben Johnson. Hi, family. Greetings to everyone here, everyone that might be watching with us online. I'm excited to be able to share with you beautiful faces today. Um, Before I go further, I'm going to pray. Lord, um... More, more important than anything right now, it's, it's, it's your Holy Spirit's time to connect with us. And so may, as your default is always ready, may, may we position ourselves to receive, to hear, to respond to whatever it is you have for us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week I kind of uh, stated that I would uh, give uh, just a, a short snapshot of Honduras a little bit. Those of you who don't know, my family, we, we lived in Honduras for two years. We've been back for a little over two years. Um, so, um, so we went back a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, for our first visit. Since then, it was, it really, was really amazing. Um, and we had, a, we had an issue on the front end with a flight being canceled. We figured it out. We got, we got down there. Everything went, went okay, went good. It was hot and sweaty. Um, we got to, to see, I think, most everyone we were hoping to see and, and do most everything we were hoping to do. Um, and I, I do want to ex- extend a, a, a big thank you to everyone um, that, you know, various people. We, we'd sent out some emails and, and, and such, just kind of letting people know we, weren't, we didn't really frame this as, hey, this is a Johnson family mission trip. Um, it was more of like just a, a, a personal thing, and we were wanting to bless people there. And we, we just extended an invitation to, to people um, to, hey, if you want to donate, we're not looking for uh, anything for our personal expenses, but we, um, we took the money that was given, and we, we blessed others there. We, we, um, we filled our suitcases full of a, a whole bunch of stuff, um, and then we also let some missionaries know that we'd be coming, and we'd be willing to bring stuff down, which is a bit of like a like a scary thing to kind of ask uh, let a missionary know because I mean we uh, one missionary said um, oh, yeah I need, I, I need a printer um, I'm like alright so uh, we took some of the funds that people donated we bought her a printer um, and then uh, we had another missionary we let them know like hey we have we have luggage and they're like oh yay <laughs> sweet and so it was like for two weeks straight we had multiple packages showing up at our house from the missionary and every day was like a new challenge of how are we going to fit this how are we going to fit this how are we going to fit this um, so we, we brought down a whole ton of stuff um, some for missionaries um, it's, it's a, a different reality and if you've never experienced it um, you know there's just basic things that are easy to get here uh, you know I can jump on Amazon and, and order and it'll be at my door in two days or you know I can just go down to downtown and pick something up I mean that just doesn't doesn't exist there. Um, anything, anything that you want to get that you can't get local, I mean, you, you can try to ship it down to Florida and it'll go on a, a boat and get there. I mean, just it takes a while and things get lost and it's frustrating and expensive. Um, so we were happy to be a blessing to, to the missionaries. Um, and then, um, so some of the things we brought down, we, were, we brought gifts down for some of the missionary kids and, and just gifts that weren't like essentials but just kind of nice things to bless them with. Cleta got a bunch of journals to give to all the the ladies. Um, just, it's just a, a, a nice thing to let them know hey you, you don't just have to you don't just have to ask for the the essentials. Here's something that's just a blessing to you and um, 
We brought down a whole bunch of flashlights, um, which is a huge blessing for people that live without electricity out in the villages. Um, so you guys, you guys were kind of helping support all of those things. So thank you for, for that. We took the resources and we bought um, about 1,500 pounds worth of food and distributed it to three different churches plus El Chile. El Chile was the community that we, we did some projects in. When we were living there, we built a couple bridges and, and we're, we're kind of establishing relationships, um, which is, a, you know, El Chile still is like very much the end of the, the kind of, it's, uh, it's in the clouds, it's up in this mountain, it's, there's no community beyond this community, um, but how, it was cool to see how, how things have improved over time. Um, so this community, which some of you have been there with me, um, it's like you, you stop, you can park at the bottom of this, uh, at, the, at the base of a, a bridge, and then you had to just either ride or, or hike quite a ways up, up and up and up to El Chile. Um, but believe it or not, you can actually drive to El Chile and beyond El Chile, which is just, I, I don't, understand how that happened, but it happened, and so um, Hondurans uh, with the right uh, vision and, and, and heavy equipment, <laughs> um, they can accomplish a lot. So um, we, we um, no, nobody really got sick. We had a little icky belly, but um, it was just, it was a, a really blessed time, um, people to be able to meet Thaddeus and all that. So um, there you go. So I just want to give an update on that. We, uh, we hope to send out um, maybe a little bit more of an email at some point in the near future. Um, if you have Facebook, you can jump on. Um, Kalita shared a whole bunch of pictures from our time there. Um, thanks to everyone that participated in that coffee experiment. Um, so <laughs> some, pe some people, um, I've gotten you know, mixed reviews. It's, 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 it's traditional village coffee. And so it uh, has a smoky flavor to it. Um, so um, I, I, I hope you see, regardless of whether or not it meets your palate uh, expectations of what coffee should taste like, many, several people have said it has. But if, if it doesn't, I hope that you can see the value that it invested in that community. Um, so uh, beyond the, the profit they made just for their, their time invested in it, um, they, I took the extra and put it towards the, them getting electricity in their village. So, um, so that's a win-win. So anyway, so, all right, here we go. You ready? Strap in. Ready to go. We're going to fly. We're going to cruise. We're going to got a lot of ground to cover. All right. Story. Who likes stories? I like stories. Good. I'm glad you like stories too. So um, speaking of Honduras, uh, when we had, had moved there and shortly after being there, I had, I had gone away for a few days and I was coming back and I'd arrived at the airport in San Pedro Sula and, and I had like a ridiculous amount of luggage. Why? Because what I was just talking about, I had ordered a whole bunch of stuff, had actually sent to uh, Bambi and Eric Carlson's house in Texas, those of you who know who they are, and because uh, I had a layover there and they picked me up and I had all, all kinds of stuff. I was shoving in my suitcases and and all you know, and I had just a lot of luggage. And so then I arrived in in uh, San Pedro Sula. I'd gotten my bags, and I was, and I'd gone through customs and everything. And and I was out in the, like the food court area, waiting for my ride to come pick me up. And and then he picked me up. We drove through. I was to get to La Ceiba, and I get to La Ceiba and, and get to my family. And 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 then um, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh yeah, I miss you all. And hey, look at what we I brought back. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's a problem. I don't have all my bags. <laughs> oh no. Okay, have you, it was this is probably one of the, like the, the, those like the biggest like my 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 stomach drop you know like like 
oh no, <laughs> like the amount of like anxiousness and and dread and just all this stuff that's just welling up inside of me and 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 I'm like, what do you do? What do you do? Oh, surely there's a, there's a customer service phone number I can call. You see, customer service in Honduras is like the bottom of the list of like their culture. I mean, the only thing you can expect are like long lines, longer lines, no customer service. Oh, and then longer lines and no phone numbers. Like it just, I mean, it just it doesn't, there's not, it's not a big culture of value there. And so I couldn't find a phone number. So I called the missionary I was working with and I'm like, hey, what do I do? And, and he's like, <laughs> I don't know if there's really any hope here. You know, things just have a, a tendency to H-O-P-R and I say, safe way, to grow legs and walk off. Like, I mean, it's like, it's not like I left it at the, like, the baggage check. It wasn't like I, I, I know I walked out into the common area where anybody could just walk off the street and just take whatever isn't nailed down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and this is a third world country where people, they're just not even necessarily, I wouldn't say bad people. They're just, it's just opportunities set before them. And like, why, why wouldn't they? You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not holding against them. Like, so I, I called him like, is there any hope here? And he's like, there's really not much hope. But hey, I, he knew somebody that lived nearby the airport. And he's like, I'll, I'll call on a favor. So he called this person and he's like, hey, hey could, you, could you go look and see if this, you know, if there's a, this bag that belongs to this gringo? And I'm, I'm sure they're just laughing on the other side of this phone line, right? Like, yeah, right, sure. But supposedly this person went to the airport and supposedly they went and asked and, and supposedly they, didn't, they uh, struck out. Like, I mean... I don't I even think they're like, there's, no, there's probably no customer service at the airport. Like, who do you go? Like, what do you ask? Like, whatever, you know. I, and so, so I had kind of just surrendered to like, well, that was a loss of money. That was, you know, just kind of a, you know, it's a kind of emotional loss. And it's like, what, should, what do you do? What do you do? There's nothing you can do. So you just move on. You just close the chapter. You just, you can't cry over spilled milk. What's done is done. You just, I guess I just learned a lesson. You know, like, okay, what do you do? You just, you just, you just move on. You accept the loss. There's no redemption here. You just, you just move, you just move on, right? So I, what I do, I, I jump back on Amazon and I bought all the same things all over again. I'm like, this is painful. This is really painful. It's paying double, right? So what happened? A week later, just so happened that Cleta was flying back to, to be with her sister for, for her first baby being born, Kiona. And so, so okay, I'm, a, I'm at the airport. Again, a week later, I mean, in a week's time, like surely anything that is just laying around would have grown legs and walked off, right? Like, so, but I'm like, I'm at the airport. I've got time on my hands. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just play that stupid gringo role and, and just like, just walk around like foolishly expecting like, oh sure, there's my bag just sitting there in the middle of the walkway. Like, you know, like so, but I, so I went to the airline counter and, I'm, and they're like, uh, no, no help here. And so like, they, they, they direct me somewhere else. And you know, again, I'm, I'm, my Spanish is pretty, 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 pretty rough at, in this season of life. It's still not great. And, and, and so but I go to the airline counter, they told me to go somewhere else, so I went somewhere else. I'm stumbling around. I'm like, I'm just this foolish gringo walking around, assuming that someone's going to help me. And, and so eventually I found myself at the counter, and, and there's an official-looking guy there. Um, and, uh, I mean, he would be the, the, like, a more, like, uh, official-looking, like, a, a step up from, like, like, our TSA. I mean, he actually gets to carry a gun, and, he, I mean, he's, like, he, he looks the part, you know, like he's... And, but uh, so I'm like I'm using my broken Spanish for like the umpteenth time to explain the story and like all right I left a bag here and so I, I had a picture and and so I showed it to him and, and you know I'm just like I'm just imagining like <laughs> you think we have your bag still man like, it's like okay we'll go we'll go to 
this is the this is the line. Like whenever you go shopping somewhere, wherever you go somewhere, and you're like, oh, we'll go check the bodega. It's the storage room, right? So so they go, we gotta go check the bodega. And so they 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 went off, and he was gone. And he was gone for really, really, really long time. And I'm just standing there, and I go, oh, don't worry, he'll come back. I'm like, no, he's in the break room, probably drinking coffee. I mean, hey, hey, hey. I mean, like, uh, this guy's got no heart to help me. I'm like, he's, he's, if he would find it, he's probably going through it right now. You know, I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm the biggest idiot standing here expecting them to actually help me do this. So I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And, it, and eventually, he, he reappears, and, and, and with him, he's pulling, he's pulling my suitcase. And then I'm like, What? And I, and I check it, and it, it's, it has everything in it still. And I'm like, Whew. Now, I wish I could stand here, and this could be a message about faith. Because I had none. I didn't have faith. I'm the guy who rebought everything, and so I'm scrambling to get back on Amazon. Cancel, 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 cancel. I thought... It was a lost cause. I started to move on. I'd already just reordered all I thought I'd lost. I had no faith that there could be redemption of the situation. I was trying not to dwell on the past because nothing could be changed about it. I'm the fool that left it there. No sense crying over the spilt milk. What's done is done. I just need to learn from my mistakes and the loss and move on. The situation was beyond redemption. Are there situations... Maybe you lost hope of redemption. What relationships maybe you've put on the shelf? Situations maybe present or maybe in the past where it's just like, you know what? I just, I'm just going to have to close the chapter on this. Just cut my losses. Just move on. There's no, there's no hope. There's no redemption. There's just, it's just a lost cause. I'm just going to move on. Are there seasons of your life that you try to forget because every time it comes back up in your thoughts, there's the emotions that get stirred up of, of, of anxiousness, fear, anger, depression, self-hatred, regret, shame, you fill in the blank. But if, it, if there's even like something that just pops up on TV and it reminds you, it just brings that all back. Because there's no closure. Do... do Watching or hearing stories of, 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 of redemption in other people's lives, like in one moment you're like, that's amazing, God is awesome because of life. I see what God did in their life, but at the same moment it's also this kind of pain because you feel shorted. And, you know, a person, I'll, 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 we're coming up really close to the, um, the one year since my stepdad passed away. And about a, about a year ago, he, he went in for this heart valve replacement, and, and he never bounced back. And, you know, he, he left the hospital, and he went back in the hospital. He left the hospital, and went back in the hospital. And, and, and then he, he passed away, right? Um, and, and then, but then I hear stories of people in far worse shape make a total recovery. I'm like, what the heck? I'm happy for you. Praise God for you. But, man, man, God, where were you in this situation? How do, you, how do you deal with that? Well, I just, I just have to move on. I just have to close the chapter and, and, and just accept the loss. And, and you know, I, I, there's no point just being stuck there. And 
we know who God is. We're singing about him, right? I mean, we're, we're singing about who he is. And we know, one of the ways that God reveals himself to us is that he is a God of redemption, right? That's one of the, 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 the ways that his character is revealed to us through scripture and one of, the, one of the words in, in, in Hebrew that they used to describe God is Jehovah Goel, God, my, or Lord, my Redeemer. You know, we know the song, my Redeemer lives. Yeah, you're welcome. That was good. Uh, and, you know, we know these songs. And you're like, yes, that's my jam. Yeah, I'll, I'll just stand here. Yes, my Redeemer lives. What, what, how? How do we get beyond the singing it to the believing it to the owning it and even in the midst of those situations when it's like there's no hope? When, it, when, when everyone you talk to would say that you're a fool for standing there holding hope. Like, you know, like standing there in the line waiting to, to get feedback on a suitcase and you just, I, I felt like a fool. I felt like there's no hope. And everyone was like, there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. How, how do you keep holding on to hope that there's redemption, there's a chance of redemption, when it's like everyone is telling you there's no hope, there's no chance of redemption here. Then we know stories in, in the Bible, and you know, they're like the story of David in, in, in the situation at Ziklag, just before he became a king, and, and is in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30, and See, David and, and his men, they had gone off and they were going to go to war, and, but they, they were actually sent back home. They're like, no, we don't, we don't trust you. We need, you just need to go back because uh, you'll probably betray us or whatever. So they send them back home, and as they're, they're getting back on the horizon, they see that, that the, 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 there's smoke on the horizon, and they, they arrive at their, at their city, and, and the city had been had burned to the ground, and, and, and everything had been taken, and their, their kids and their, their wives, like everyone had just been taken away, kidnapped taking us as, as slaves. God knows what would happen in, in, in the future. And, and, and we see here, and this is in First uh, Samuel chapter 30, verses 4 through 6. So David and his troops with him wept loudly until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives, Ahanom, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had also been kidnapped. David was in an extremely difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him. For they were, this is important, for they were all very bitter over the loss of their sons and daughters. But David found what? He found strength in who? In the Lord his God. And it, and it says that, that he called for, for the ephod, and he put on the ephod, and then he went, and he went, and he just like, he called out to God, and like, he's like, God, I, I trust you, right? Like, I know who you are. I know that you can bring redemption here, but I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. And, and he actually asked him, like, should we pursue? Like, you know, just, you know, just remove ourselves from this, like, him talking to God. It just in the natural, it's like one of two positions. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to, we, like, what would you not? Of course you're going to pursue. You know, anything, any last-ditch effort to try to get back what you lost, right? But on the other hand, it's like, it's been three days since they've ran off. Like, there's no hope here, right? There's either, there's really two Potential reactions just in the flesh, right? 
So he's, he's not responding in the flesh. He's responding like, God, I trust you. I don't understand the how or the when, but I trust that you can bring redemption to this. Should we pursue? Will you give us favor? Will we win the day? Will we get back what we've lost? And God said, you will. So they pursued and they overtook and they, they, they defeated the, the Amalekite band and, and, they, and, and they got back, it says, it says they got back everyone and they got back everything and not just everything, but then way more than just everything they've lost. So we, we know, right? Then they went to the enemy camp and they took back what they stole from them. They took back what they stole from them, right? Right? You're welcome. That was good. That was good, right? They, they, they went to the enemy's camp and, and David and his men, they took back what was stolen from them. Right? So the, the, the key in, in this friends, in this situation, within the context of what we're talking about here. And, and, and let's, let's frame this a little bit. Like, you know, here real quick, maybe next week, I'm not sure, it's really close on the horizon. Pastor Steve's going to be taking us into a, a series talking about pursuing prayer and pursuing revival. Like, you know, I feel like this is a key idea for us to kind of get positioned in our hearts and our minds before we step there. The key here is David did not get bitter like his men did. The word here for bitter is marah. Or mara or mahiki, I don't know. Which means to be bitter or to rebel, disobey. David did not harden his heart towards the Lord. He kept his heart soft and surrendered. He knew God is a redeemer. He didn't know the when or the how, but he trusted God. They pursued the enemy. They overtook them. They took back everything. God is in the redemption business. Nothing is too big for him to redeem. Nothing is too small for him to redeem. You know, like, even just, even just talking about the suitcase at the start of this and talking about redemption and, and, and talking about David and Ziklag, like, those are polar ends of the spectrum. A suitcase, yes, it's... it's Possessions and money, and yes, emotions tied into that too, right? just all the chaos. But having your city burnt down, your family taken away, like, I mean, those are polar opposites. I'm saying God's the redeemer of it all. Of the astronomical, too big, my mind's blown, I can't understand how anybody, anything could ever redeem, it's the impossible, right? To a suitcase that did not grow legs and walk off. We may not know the when or the how, but, but we need to, like David, we need to lean into God and to trust and follow his lead. Like, like David, if, if we harden our hearts, if we allow that bitterness, that Marat to, t- to take hold, what's it going to be like, you know, we've got two walkie-talkies and, and God's still talking, but we change our channel. Because our hearts harden. We're not receiving it because we're like, you know what? God, forget you because you forgot me. And then we, we start tuning in to other, other voices of wisdom. 
human wisdom. We start putting more faith in horoscopes and other just foolishness or just like generic good ideas. It's not even it's not even like out white like you know it's like it's just it's just a good idea. I'm not saying it's witchcraft, I'm not saying it's just a good it's a human good idea. Instead of instead of tuning into what God has for us and instead of putting our channel back onto his channel so we can actually receive from him. David kept himself his heart soft so he could receive from God so he could hear from God. So he would know how to move. But what about situations that have already already passed? Like David's situation, that was pretty fresh. Right? Even even the suitcase, even though I had largely moved on, it was only a week old. What about the ones that are so far back in the river mirror, like you can barely, it's like a speck back there in the river mirror, right? They're, they're, They're years, they're decades back there. So far removed. You don't even remember all the details, but those emotions are still there. And you know, you know there's been no resolution. There's been no closure to it. There's been no redemption. Because you just, well, I mean, what are you going to do? You just, you just move on. Just try to forget about it. Time heals all wounds. Is God's redemption constrained by time? You know, uh, the God I see in the Bible, like he's, he's a God that stands outside of time. And he can bring redemption not just to the present, not just to the future, but I, I see him bringing redemption to the past. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to like, boop, rewind, edit, cut, change all this. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's going to like, totally like undo things that have already happened. I, I think there's something more here than just undoing, like he didn't like, like rewind the Amalekites and then wipe them out before they ever took, no, no, no. No, that's not what I'm saying. The, the, the issue is not so much the circumstances, more so our response to the circumstance. You hear me? So let's jump backwards to the book of Ruth, from 1 Samuel to the book of Ruth. And here we find another story, a story that's full of, yes, romance, <laughs> and also a lot of tragedy. Naomi's family, they had moved from, from Israel. They'd moved away from their homeland in Bethlehem. They'd moved with it was her and her husband and their two sons. And then while they were away the, in, in this new land, their, their boys found wives, right? And then you, many of you know the story, right? Husband died, sons died, and, and, then, and then she releases her, her daughter-in-laws and says, hey, I've got nothing for you. Go, go back to your families. But the one... The one did, the other didn't. Ruth didn't, right? She said, you know, where you go, I will go. Where your God will be my God, your people will be my people. So then they, they, they return. So here we see in, in, in chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, we see, we see um, Naomi returning with Ruth to their town of Bethlehem. And then, so it says here in verse 19, it says, The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival. 
And the local women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? And what'd she say? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Sound familiar? She answered, For the Almighty has made me what? Very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has opposed me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. She was declaring over herself, you know, no, call me Mara. That is what identifies me. That's what defines my life, bitter. She went through a tragic season. She is broken. And in, in that season, instead of drawing and pressing into God, she blames God. Now, I, I, and I get it. I'm not standing here saying, like, what the heck, Naomi? Like, why would you do that? No, no, I get it. That was a natural human response to that situation. When I see people trapped in, in, in brokenness and bitterness, like, I'm not, like, throwing stones at them. Like, I empathize with them. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry that you're in that spot. I, I, I see the brokenness that you've walked through. That, that's a totally natural response. Now, I am not saying that natural responses are good responses. Because there's a whole lot of things that we can label as natural that does not lead to a healthy, whole outcome. Does not bear good fruit. So here we see her trapped in bitterness. Naomi's heart had grown cold towards God and is poisoned by bitterness. She blames God for the circumstances. But here's something that's important for us to see here is that God doesn't stop pursuing her. And he continues to try to send her hope. Even though she, she's proclaiming to her whole town. She's not hiding it. Right? She's proclaiming to her whole town. I'm bitter. It's not just like, you know, there's some people that are bitter, but they, they try to kind of mask it, right? And you're like, you're not fooling anybody. You know, and she's proclaiming to her town as they're greeting her. They're, about, they're throwing a party. And she's like, stop it and knock it off. I'm bitter. The only thing we can drink around here is some sour grapes or something because that's, that's who I'm. I'm bitter. Knock off the party. And she's also proclaiming whose fault it is. All right? All right. But God doesn't stop pursuing her. We see this in, in chapter 2. In chapter 2, Ruth goes out to, to gather the grain left behind after the harvesters, and, and she finds great favor. Now, just initially by reading this, you would say, well, she found favor with Boaz, but I firm, firmly believe any favor is from God. And so if she's finding favor from Boaz, she's first finding favor from God that allowed her to find favor from Boaz. So <clears throat> she bring, brings back 
a large quantity of barley, right? So here, let's, let's look at uh, verse 19 here in, uh, in chapter 2 of Ruth. So as she brought back all this, all this barley, her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you gather barley today? And where did you work? May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. Ruth told her mother-in-law, whom she, had, whom she had worked with, and said, The man of whom I worked with today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May the Lord bless him, because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, The man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers. Ding, 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 ding. Chapter 1. She defines herself, proclaims it, that she is bitter. But yet her eyes were not blind to what Ruth brought back. She, Ruth went out. She's like, I'm going to go glean. I'm going to go pick up the scraps left behind in the field. And, and, and you know, may, we'll, we'll, find, we'll probably have enough for, you know, for the sustenance of today. But then I'll have to go out tomorrow because we're just going to, you know, we're going to eke it out day by day. But she comes back with this large abundance of, of barley. And Naomi spots it. She says, you found favor. This is from the Lord. Even when people are trapped in their bitterness, even when people are so consumed with the emotions and the hurt and the pain, God is sending out seeds of hope. And do not undervalue, do not underestimate what a kind or generous action can mean to someone. It may be the very seed of hope that God wants to use to break through some brokenness, some bitterness, some hardness in their life. They may have, they might not even realize it. They may be in a season where they, they, there's this turmoil, there's this hardness, and they may like, you know, I trust God in everything, but don't you touch this. You, you forgot this in my life, and so you stay the heck out of this. Don't underestimate what your deeds, your actions, your words can do because God may be using your action, deeds, and words to be the breakthrough, to be that seed of hope that's planted in their life. That opens the door for greater redemption. It may not seem like that generous. You're like, well, it's just sitting on the shelf. I mean, I'd rather someone else have it than just sit there collecting dust. You know, it, you know when we went to Honduras, we brought all these flashlights down, but I was also like, I also bought some stuff for ourselves to, to use while we were down there and to keep, right? I bought some, these like nifty headlamps that are rechargeable. I'm like, this is pretty sweet, right? And I wasn't, I wasn't planning on giving them away. But I, I'm just there and I'm like, you know what? What value, what great value does this have to me beyond this trip? Sure, I, can, I could use it when I'm back home, but I don't, I've got other flashlights. No, I, w- I would rather just leave this here because it's far more expensive here, far more hard for them to get. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I left it and I invested in there. And, and you know, it's like, it didn't even seem that generous. But, like, I don't know what God's going to do with that in their lives. I don't know what message that was speaking to them in their lives. It was something that I was planning on keeping. But I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to bless them with it. 
and, and, and hopefully God can use it in their lives to speak something to them. Don't underestimate the value of what God can do with it. All right, so now we need to fast forward in, in this story in Ruth to the end of the book in, of Ruth. And <clears throat> so we find ourselves in, in chapter 4. And so the, the love story, the romance, kind of takes center stage. And woo, the butterflies are flying. So they, Boaz and Ruth, they, they get married and have a, have a child. And so here we see in... Um, in chapter 4, Naomi is now holding her, her, her grandson, um, kind of. I mean, this is, so there's some things here that's like, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense to my culture. How is, how is this child her grandson when it was a daughter-in-law who, I mean, is married to some... Okay, just not overthink this too much. Culturally, it's seen as her grandson and culturally where her family line her husband's name would basically be erased from their history of, of the nation of Israel like like if you don't have anyone to carry on your name like you just you cease to exist like it's it's just it was part of their culture right and, and so so this baby was like it was it's the, the redeemer of the family name it's going to carry on the family name where, where the, the the memory and, and the, the, the 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 lineage of her husband was going to just be cut off because no one else was going to carry it on. This baby's going to carry it on. So she, here she is holding her, essentially, grandson. And now, now also keep in mind that this grandson is the, going to be the grandfather of David. Hey, we talked about him. Hey, that's cool. And, and, and then also just keep in mind that David's family line leads to Sunday school answer, Jesus. Right? Hey, hey, this is kind of cool. God, God just made you showed up up there, man. So, so here, all right, let's jump into the verse here in, in verse 14, chapter 4. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a kinsman redeemer. Mm, good, yes. May his name become famous in Israel. It will. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Start of the book. She defined herself, proclaimed to her town, to her relatives, I am bitter and it's God's fault. She saw some hope. She received some hope when she saw that barley come into the house. And she received redemption for the family name and restoration of her heart, right? She, she, she surrendered the hardness of her heart. And so now she's back in fellowship and communion with God the Father. She's, she's no longer in her self-imposed restriction from God. A self-imposed isolation from God. She's now back in connection with God. What's important about this story, it's slightly different from David and his story in Ziklag, is that this is bringing redemption to something that was 
a little bit farther in the river mirror. And it's almost like Naomi and, and Ruth, they had moved on, right? We're, just, we're cutting our losses. We're going back to Bethlehem. We're going back to maybe some people that will have some mercy and pittance on us. And, you know, and, and maybe, you know, we're just going to cut our losses. We're going to close this chapter and move on. And God said, nah, I'm not done with that chapter yet. We need, we, uh, in his editorial privileges, he went back to a chapter that you chose to close, and he said, no, it's not closed. He said, no, I, I, this story is not ending in bitterness. This, this story is ending in hope. It's ending in redemption. It's ending in God's glory. Not God getting blamed, but God receiving glory. God is in the business of redemption. No matter if it's raiding bands of Amalekites or luggage that may walk off or whatever situation in your life, whether present or past, I don't care how far back it is. I don't know how long that chapter maybe has been closed. But God's got editorial privileges, and, and he, he, he can open that up, and he can change the ending. He may, he, I'm not saying he's going to change what happened, but he can change the ending of what's going on in your heart. You may, you, you, you may be stuck in some levels of just all the, the pain and the hurt and the hardness and, and, and the not like, God, don't you touch that. But he's like, hey, I, if you let me in, I can, I can change all of this. I can change this hardness. I can transform your heart. I can, I can, I can bring healing here. I, cannot, I, can, I can help you not be defined by the bitter, but by the beauty. But it takes us turning our channel to him. Getting back to where, like, like David, he could, have, he could have been in that same position where like all of his men were, but he, he sought God. He trusted God. Like, God, I don't understand this. I don't know the when or the how, but I know that you're a redeeming God. Have you lost hope? Has bitterness tried to seep in? What are the lost causes that, that you need to press into God for redemption for? This last week, Cheryl Green came in uh, to drop off something, and, and, and uh, she, she kind of trapped Barb and I in the cafe, and she went on and on. That woman can talk. And she went on and on and on. And I was loving every second of it because everything that's coming out of her mouth was story after story after story of redemption. Because Kevin, Kevin just got married. Kevin just got married. And I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about, but when you get family gatherings, whoo, boy, look out. That's where the, the drama that you've tried to forget, you've tried to avoid comes up. You know what I'm talking about? Right? And, you know, it's like, <laughs> I may love them, but I don't like them. You know, anyone know what I'm talking about? Right? Right? And she was telling story after story after story of these siblings not talking for all these years. And, and this uncle just estranged and disconnected and the drama. And, and uh, she was bringing up, you know, and oh, this person and their brokenness and all the, the, the addictions and the, the chaos that reigned in their lives. And, and it all... all all the story after story after story after story 
the legal battles they fought to, to get custody and, and guardianship and it's all that stuff over Kevin and, and, and Chris. You know, it's story after story after story of God's redemption, of God's redemption, of God's redemption. And, and, and like the huge climactic thing was, the, was that wedding and that, that people that knew about the wedding and they had a choice and they could have avoided it. Like, oh, congratulations to them, but there's drama there. I'm going to stay away from that. No, the issue is that multiple situations found some level of re redemption and restoration at that wedding because they, they opened themselves up to what God wanted to do in that moment. And I, don't, I, I, I think it's probably safe to say that not all that family knows Jesus yet. But, uh, you know, but yet, yeah, you know, let's believe, yeah. But here's Cheryl Green. And you better believe who she's giving glory to. If anyone gives her an ear for a second, she's giving glory of what, of what the redemption that God has done for things that are long past in the river mirror. And she probably thought, like, when will, we, will, will Gary ever see this before he passes? Will we ever see redemption to this family before he passes? No, there's elements of Honduras that we really love, but there's also elements of Honduras that are really, really painful, and I wish I could a la carte Honduras. You know, there's, there's, there's parts of me that I'm like, it would some, some parts of me, I'd be easier not to go back again, right? That was before we were going to Honduras for this visit. I'm like, you know, there's parts of me that this is a little bit too painful. I don't want to be confronted with some of these things again, but I want to position myself to allow God to bring some redemption. You know, we wanted to go back to the village, we love the village, and we know the village loves us, but, you know, I didn't know if they liked me. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't anything necessarily ugly, but I don't, there's two different cultures there. I don't know if you knew that. Different languages. Yeah, do you know that? Okay, cool. And, 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 and without even being any intentionality, I know, I know I did things that was cultural faux pas, and I, and I hurt them, and I tried to make amends while I was there. And then we left, and I'm like, I don't know how this feels to them, are they, how, how are they going to receive us? And then, you know, I'm like, we're going to go back and maybe, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll open up the bunkhouse and, and I mean, I mean, sure, it'll be infested with scorpions and whatever and it's, you know, uncomfortable beds, but we'll have our own space and it'll be fine. And, 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 and like, we'll probably, just, we'll probably just be up in the bunkhouse and it's, you know, it's, okay, cool. They were like, nah, you're, you're staying in our house. Pastor Telly and Marisa, like, you're staying in our bedroom, you're staying in our bed. You know, and every time you come back here, you're staying in this house and in this bed. We felt greater levels of intimacy than we ever felt when we were there. And that spoke a lot to us. And that spoke a lot to specifically Kalita because there was a, a, whole, there was a whole lot of emotions tied up in this. But if we had allowed ourselves to stay in the broken and the bitter and, and just avoided the situation, we would have missed a potential for God to bring some redemption and some healing. Do you hear me? What situations, what relationships are going on in your life? Maybe put them on the shelf. Maybe you've written it off. You've closed that chapter. Unknowingly, maybe there's been some hardness towards them and, and I think inevitably probably towards God. 
And although you would never, you would never likely proclaim to your family and to your town that you're bitter, there's, there's maybe something that seeped in. And you hate it. You don't like it, if you even know it. Are you willing to let God mess with this a little bit? Are you willing to give permission, to maybe even to position yourself to go back to an environment where it's attached to emotions that are not all that nice? giving God permission. Before we went to Honduras, we were praying that there would be redemption. We were, we were, we were asking God that there would be some, some healing of our hearts and hopefully on the other ends as well. And you know, and honest, there was, there was one, one relationship there that I could have very easily avoided. It was probably the most complicated relationship of them all. And I intentionally let them know that we were coming. And I intentionally also created an opportunity to cross paths and to engage and interact. There was no, like, fireworks in the sky and, you know, I don't have this amazing testimony of, woo. But I, I wanted to keep my heart soft towards them and towards what God might want to do. What, maybe not now, I, I don't know the whens or the hows and all, all of that. But I, 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 it's important for me to keep my heart soft. Why? Because I need to be tuned into Him. If we want revival, we have to be conscientious of any hardness that has crept in to our hearts. I'm going to leave you with three questions. What got your attention today? What got your attention? Beyond the chatter of me, what got your attention? What is God saying to you is the second question. What is God saying to you? What do you feel like is God's heart being conveyed to you that you receive through the Holy Spirit today? What is God saying to you? Last question. What are you going to do about it? Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife at aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.